All right, so we're going to um, open our Bibles to Hebrews chapter 3. We're now in chapter 3. We've gone through two chapters already. And so I'm going to ask you to stand with me. Today I'm just going to focus on the first six verses of this third chapter of Hebrews. Amen. Keep in mind that the writer uh, of Hebrews, who I believe to be the Apostle Paul, uh, is, uh, you know, has written this letter to convince the Hebrews, which were Jewish converts, to understand that Jesus is superior to anything and everything that they had experienced before in their religion and in the old uh, covenant that they had uh, with Moses. And so we're going to look at um, a little bit more of that today. And I think the idea uh, above everything is to see that Jesus, to acknowledge that Jesus is supreme in every way and in every area of life. Amen? And having seen that, it really changes our perspective about what we're to do and who we are. And if we understand and have an identity, which we'll find today in the world, people don't know who they are. They don't know or have any real convictions or moral standings about anything. Everything goes. Everything's allowed. Everything's permissible. So, not when we are a Christian because we have a Lord. Amen. And he came for a reason. There's a real big reason. And that's primarily for our redemption, our salvation. So let's look at it. First couple of verses. It says, Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession, who was faithful to him, by the way, he's referring to his heavenly father, who appointed him, just as Moses also was faithful in all God's house, or easily translated household. For Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, as much more glory as the builder of a house has more honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Now Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant to testify to the things that were to be spoken later. But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son. And we are his house if indeed, let me repeat that, and we are his house if indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting in our hope. All right, so let's just pray for the sermon. Heavenly Father, bless our time in your word today. Open it up to us. As we look at it, Father, to, so that we might um, have understanding, we might get it, and by doing so, Father, we're able to make an application to our life and that these truths that we uh, are going to uh, come to understand today will help form and, and establish in our lives uh, who you are and what it is that you want from us. We thank you for that in, in Jesus' precious name. Amen. All right, go ahead and have a seat. So, uh, we've already learned uh, quite a bit through the first two chapters of Hebrews 
Uh, one of the things that we learn from chapter 1 is that Jesus is superior to the prophets. So uh, there's a whole Bible of prophets. He's superior to them. Uh, he is God's final word, the words of Jesus. And uh, also we saw in chapter 2 that Jesus is superior to angels, to the angels. Uh, that's uh, a big deal for the Hebrews because they had countless encounters and experiences with God's angels uh, as they ministered to uh, to the uh, Israelites, as they ministered to God's people. They appeared everywhere in the Old Testament. So angels um, uh, were revered. Paul, Paul, or the Hebrew writer, is saying Jesus is superior to angels. And today we're going to learn uh, about how he is, that is, Jesus is superior to Moses or to the Old Covenant. So the, the writer of this book is, is going to butt heads against a people who esteemed Moses very highly. He was uh, one of their uh, national heroes. He's like the George Washington of Israel, if you will. And he's also um, going to um, challenge their thinking and also all of the rest of the prophets. Jesus is superior to them. To the Levitical system, the, the Mosaic law. He's going to challenge them because Jesus is actually the fulfillment of the law. I didn't come to break the law, I came to fulfill it. Matter of fact, he's the only man that ever did. So he's not lower than the law, he is the law. And he fulfilled it. All of the sacrifices, all of the events of rituals and ceremonies and feasts and Sabbaths, all those things pointed to Jesus. And so he's the fulfillment of them. Of course he's greater. So uh, to be tempted or to be uh, somehow convinced to go back to the old system would be to regress. It would be to go to something inferior. Because Jesus is superior. We can make a rap song out of that. Right? <laughs> I won't even get into it right now. I feel like it, but I won't. I'd be embarrassed. So um, let's take a real quick under, uh, look at the history of Moses with Israel. Moses, we know, was sent by God, and we know the whole story out of Exodus, to deliver his people, Israel, out of historical Egypt. Right? They were in bondage. They were slaves. Jesus was sent by God, so the idea here is that they were both sent, but Jesus was sent by God to deliver his people, Israel, and the world from spiritual Egypt. So there is a spiritual Egypt that we all have to wrestle and contend with and the bondage of sin. So one is a physical nation that held God's people in bondage and the other is a spiritual Egypt, sin, the world that attempts to hold God's people. I would say that the spiritual is superior to the temporal or physical, the material world, because the material world is going to come to an end one day. It has an expiration date, whereas the things that Jesus did for us are eternal. 
Okay, eternal life. We talk about eternal life. So that's, those are some of the things. So the Lord had spoken to Moses. There's no doubt about it. He spoke to Moses face to face, just as a man would speak to a friend. That's in Exodus 33:11. For you serious Bible students, write it down on the side. You'll see that Moses was a friend of the Lord, and God spoke to him face to face. He gave to him the law. That's found in Nehemiah 9, 13 through 14. And of course, in the Pentateuch, though all uh, specifically in Exodus, where we know about Jesus going to Mount Sinai and he got the law, right? And then all of the commandments and all of the rituals and all of the ceremonies uh, uh, were, were priorities for the Jews. And Moses is the one that brought them in, in the law. So when we talk about Moses and we talk about the law, we hear in the New Testament as well as in the Old Testament, they say the law of Moses because he's the one that brought it. So it's synonymous. The law of Moses are together. You can't unhook them. But as great as Moses is, Jesus is infinitely greater. And that's the, that's the point so he starts the letter, uh, chapter 3 off, that is the writer. He says, therefore, holy brothers. Now the therefore is like a transition, like a door swinging open. Because of what I just told you in the first two chapters. So it's a continuation of his thoughts. And then he's saying, therefore. And then this is one of the very few places where you'll see the word holy brothers. He calls believers, those who confess Jesus as our Lord and Savior, he calls us brothers. Isn't that? We all have the same Heavenly Father. Right? We're family. Holy brothers. Uh, we like to hear the word holy and we get all kind of like theological and maybe even start to feel some kind of like, uh, you know, maybe levitate a little bit off the ground. You know, that's holy. Well, all holy means is separated. When we heard God's call and he touched our hearts and we were able to respond by faith to his call to the good news of the gospel for the salvation that Christ bought for us and we were able to respond by faith and say yes to Jesus, then that automatically separated us from what we were the old man, to new creatures in Christ. We're literally born again. We have a new heart. And so we're also recipients of the Holy Spirit, which was, did not dwell with us prior to our salvation because we were sinners. And God can't have anything to do with sin because He's holy. He's righteous. And we weren't. That is, we weren't right. But we're right now we're right with God now because of what Jesus did for us. So he separates us for his use. And the easy way to understand what holy means is that we belong to Jesus now. We're his. And that should bless us and that should encourage us that God has tapped on our heart and called us to himself. Something that can't happen unless he does it. Because we know from the New Testament that Jesus said, No man comes to me unless my Father draw him. And the, um, the idea there is that no man can manufacture or create the desire to even go to Christ. 
or to go to the Father. It has to be the Father drawing him or bringing him. So it's an incredible privilege that God has called us. However, many are called, but few are chosen. How do we go from just being called to chosen? When we accept the call by faith that separates us. So God's calling everyone, but not everyone's listening. He's whispering, he's trying to woo people, persuade them, convince them, and they're ignoring it or rejecting it outright. So then you don't move into the chosen part or separated part because it requires faith. You have to believe. And so this is what he's saying to them when he says, uh, he calls them holy brothers. It should be for us an encouragement that we are considered to be part of his family. Amen? It's okay if every now and then someone just shouts out, hey, pastor, good point. You know, hallelujah to, to the Lord. Bless the Lord. Amen. It's all right. We're, you know, we're going we're gonna to get past this uh, lethargic response that I got so far. That was my best point. What do I, now it's all downhill for me. No, I'm kidding. I, I just like, I've studied all, all week and I got to the pinnacle of my sermon. And, Yay, Jesus. Wake up. Where's the guys have coffee in your houses? <laughs> Peter says something really interesting in his first epistle, and he borrows it and quotes it from Leviticus 19, verse 2. He says, Be holy, for I am holy. That's what the Lord says to his people. Be holy, for I am holy. So, in other words, since God is separate, because that's what holy means, and so since God is separate and we belong to God, then we're separate. You get it? It's not something you do, it's something He does. Oh, oh you need to be more holy. Well then, you can't get any more holy than when you receive Christ, because He clothes you with His righteousness. You have a foreign righteousness that belongs to you because of what Jesus did for you at Calvary's cross. So there's no boasting in, our, in, in the fact that God sees us as righteous. It's something he did for us. But because of that, we should live as if though that's true. We're no longer of the world, although we're in the world. Amen? So it's a little bit of a, I just like how he addresses this group. He wants them to know that, that we're all in this letter, we're all part of the message and all part of the same heavenly family. And then he says, you who share in a heavenly calling. Yeah, guess what? I'm going to trek through these first couple of verses little by little. Yeah. You're going to be surprised at how much you can pull out of this. What does it mean that we're now share? We're partakers Right? We're jointly participating, all of us, regardless of our backgrounds, our ethnicities, our languages, uh, how good-looking we are or how good-looking we're not, how tall or short or whatever. All of us, from wherever we come from, whoever we are, uh, ye uh, red and yellow, black and white, we are precious in His sight. He doesn't care. We've all been joined together, to participate in 
extending his kingdom. That's what he's done, something really unique. Truly, the church is the only place where God can put all kinds of people together and there need not ever be the mention or consideration of racism or discrimination because we all got pulled out of a ditch together in the salvation plan. He reached down to us in the depths of our sin. By His grace and mercy, we were able to reach His hand because He reached us. He did not come to save those that were well. He came to save those that were sick. And He came to seek and to save that which was lost. And that's what separates us from the world. We know we're lost. We know we need a Savior. We know we're sinners. We know we need forgiveness. So we confess our sins and He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And we call upon the name of the Lord. And He said, whoever does that, that is believing that He died for us and He paid the penalty for our sins and that He rose from the death, from death to just, uh, justifying what He did for us, that God gave his seal of approval and because we believe that we are saved it's all about him so we share in a heavenly calling all of us if we have come to Christ all of us heard his call Robert Samuel who is that I'm going to go talk to, uh, to Eli, the high priest. Samuel is a young boy, having been consecrated to the Lord because of the prayer of his mother Hannah, who was sterile, who was not able to have babies, and, and she prayed uh, passionately before the Lord at the temple and made a promise that if you give me a child, I will devote that child to the service of, of the Lord. So there's Samuel in the temple and he hears Samuel. Who's, who's that? Who that? And he runs to the high priest. Hey, did you call me? Nah, man. Go back to bed, chamaco. Yeah. Go back to bed, squinkly, right? Go back to bed, kid. Can't you, don't you see I'm trying to get my beauty rest? And then all of a sudden, Samuel. Hey, did you call me? I already told you. No, but hey, you know what? Next time say, yes, Lord. Samuel getting some good advice from Eli, who used to hear the Lord. He's not in a really good position in his life right at that point. So the third time, Samuel. He goes, yes, Lord. And then the Lord spoke to Samuel, and he's one of the great prophets of the Old Testament. It's a heavenly calling, right? People call us all the time for many different reasons. But there's never a calling greater and superior to the one when the Lord calls you. Mine was interesting. Because, and I've give t given testimony uh, on a... On a Tierra and Cielo podcast. My call was so different. Because I lived in a Christian home. So I thought I knew him. But I didn't. 
until he called me individually. It's kind of a terrible thing to think you're something that you're not. I didn't realize it until later. He would wake me up at 3 in the morning. Well, I would wake up at 3 in the morning. I didn't know why, but all I knew is I felt so empty. My soul was restless. But the timing was perfect. My parents have left for Mexico. I was about 19 years old, renting an apartment with my older brother. We were going to community college. And everything I did felt useless and worthless. Why am I here? What am I going to do? What am I going to be? How am I going to pay? Everything. And then God started dealing with my life, calling me. And he's, he worked it out. He set it all up to where there was someone who came into my life that invited me to a ski trip. I like skiing. He was a Christian guy. Really good example for me to follow. His name was Joey. Joey has since gone to be with the Lord. And uh, they took, we went skiing, and I'm out there skiing, you know, and just the whole day, you're young, you're, you go 20 hours skiing. But then we got home, and I was tired, and we got to the cabin, and, and I shared this with, uh, with the podcast. Uh, the guys uh, put on some coffee and said, hey, we're going to have a Bible study in the kitchen. You want to join us? And I said, oh, man, guys, I'm so tired from skiing all day. You know, that's all, it's all good. You do you, and I'm going to go do me. I'm going to go get me some Z's. You know, like go take a, go, go to sleep. The only problem was the bedroom I was, was sleeping in didn't have a door. And right outside the door was the kitchen where they were sitting at the table having a Bible study. And they were talking about end times because of Russia's invasion of Afghanistan in 1980. Yeah, I'm that old. <laughs> 1980. I was 19. Guess what? All I could do is listen. I don't know why I was interested. I never cared before about God or about Bible prophecy or about what's going to happen in the last days. I'd never cared about it before. But see, it's God who brings us. It's God who draws us. And so I started listening. And it was, that was Saturday night. And the next morning, we got our stuff ready. We went to breakfast. And then they invited me to a, a service at night. Sunday service at night. And there was, a, uh, there was a, uh, a missionary that had come from Mexico. And he was the guest speaker. Of course, I have family in Mexico. And I thought that was interesting. Oh, I'll go listen. But when the sermon was over, I ran to the front weeping and accepting Christ as my personal Lord, Savior and Lord of my life and has never been the same since. And that's like, how many years ago? 90, 2000, 2010, 2020, 43 years ago. God calls us. The problem is we don't respond the problem is we reject them. The problem is we're too busy 
thinking we have it all together and know what we're doing. And I promise you, you don't. And you will live a life, a vicious circle of going nowhere. And always empty. And never living to the full potential that God has for your life. Because you're not in His will. What do you have to do? It's, are we talking about the heavenly calling? Yeah. What we have to do is we have to say yes when He calls us. You share in a heavenly calling. Then He says... And this is the, the real meat of the sermon in the next part. It says, consider Jesus. So the writer here is asking the Hebrews uh, uh, who are reading this letter, consider Jesus who's the apostle and the high priest of our confession. So consider, it goes with the calling. So when you... When God calls us, we consider, it's, it, this, I, this word it, it conveys the, the, the fact of faithful attention. Consider Jesus, hey, put some, put some effort into a, a, a paying attention to Jesus. Um, put, put some time into considering Jesus. Put some thought into Considering Jesus. He's worth it. It's the greatest thing you could ever do is think about and study and learn about Christ. Because he will change your life. And bless your life. He's, he's saying here that we're to, um, when, we, when we consider Jesus, uh, he's saying here that we're to... Um, to, to, be, to consider or give careful and serious and prolonged thought on this one. And I know that there's a lot of times people, uh, we might talk to them about the Bible and then they'll immediately have an answer. And I can promise you that there's a lot of people who haven't spent not even five minutes or ten minutes or twenty minutes of their lives really seriously thinking about what the Bible has to say, and yet they consider themselves experts on Jesus because they heard something somewhere. They don't even open up his book and, and consider it because it's about Jesus. Consider, consider Jesus. What, what does the, the writer call him? He calls Jesus the apostle. He wants us to be occupied. He wants us to be, to put our eyes on Jesus First, as an apostle. What is an apostle, someone might ask? Apostolos. Comes from the Greek word that means one who is sent. So here's the other comforting thought. Here's the other thing that blesses our souls. To know that God sent his son on a specific mission. He was sent to this earth for a specific reason. God sent him. And he sent Jesus kind of like a nation sends an ambassador to another nation to represent, in this particular case, the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is the kingdom of heaven's ambassador. Jesus is the kingdom of heaven's representative. If you want to know something about the kingdom of heaven, go to Jesus. He'll tell you. He lived there forever before. And he takes a temporary side road to earth so that he might encounter 
the need of man for salvation and the cross of Calvary, which would be the price he would pay so that we might be saved. Yeah, he says, consider that Jesus is the Father's representative, the Heavenly Father's representative. He was sent from God. He's God's messenger. He has God's revelation to us. And here the author is saying to consider him. But not only to consider him as the one who was sent, but also as a high priest. And so the rest of this letter is going to dedicate most of its time now to addressing the idea that Jesus is our high priest. And let me explain what that means. A high priest is going in the opposite direction of an apostle. Okay, let me explain. The apostle is sent from God, right, to man. Comes down from heaven to earth. The high priest returns to God on behalf of the people. See the difference? So God sends Jesus as his representative, and then Jesus, our high priest, he goes in the opposite direction. So it kind of be it would be like being on the freeway. The apostle is going west toward Los Angeles, while the high priest is going east. And you could see him. Oh, hi. They had two different roles, two different purposes. The apostle, who is Jesus, is sent from heaven to earth to meet with man. And then the high priest is sent from earth to heaven to represent man to God. So God takes the right hand of man and, the, uh, and, and the, Jesus takes the left hand of man and they meet. And the only way they can is the cross. The cross is what allows us to be reconciled. We're separated otherwise. God and man. But Jesus in the cross joins us with the Father because he pays the price for our sins. So you guys understand and see that? The apostle is like a prophet who comes from God while the high priest, again, is going from man to God representing man before God. So easily the way to explain this is think of the apostle as a downward arrow and think of the high priest as an upward arrow. One's going up, one's going down. And guess what? There's a two-way road there. That's called communication. That's how we are joined. Because not only did he send his son, he sent his son back. We know in the ascension, after the resurrection and the crucifixion, we know that Jesus ascended into heaven and Jesus is now sitting at the right hand of the Father as our defense lawyer, as our advocate. He sits in the presence of the Father, the right hand of the Father, and he is our as in Spanish says, abogado, which means lawyer. He represents our needs before the Father in a legal sense because of sin. So Jesus, as a high priest, is a representative of humanity, while Jesus, the apostle, is a representative of divinity. Okay? <laughs> it's awesome. It's okay to say amen. I was, now, now, now you would do it. 
this, this is the time. So he represents man before God. Again, he's our advocate. He defends us. He's on our side. Well, you do not want to go to court sometimes. Not that I know much about it. With a bad lawyer. You want to go to court with a good one. And one in which you heard the father say to him, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. That's the lawyer we want. And he goes before the father and he's on our side. And everybody got this image of Jesus as though he has some kind of hammer in his hand and he's going around beating up on us. No, he's not. The beating fell on him at Calvary's cross. And we are free from it because he represented us on the cross. He absorbed the condemnation and the penalty that we deserved. And we then are called the righteousness of God, which is what Christ is, because of our faith in what Jesus did for us at the cross. It's huge. All of those Old Testament prophets, starting with Aaron, they're just symbols or figures of the one who would come in the future to be our once and forever lawyer. So, he came from God as an apostle because God sent him and he's gone back to God as our high priest and guess what? He's there for you and me today. So, when we read it again, consider, think about it for a second. Be in awe and marvel at what God has done through His Son, Jesus Christ, in that He has made Him apostle. He has sent a messenger with a good news message for us. And that same Jesus who was sent to us has gone back to the Father as our high priest. And He sits there ever interceding on our behalf. You can go to Him. He understands you. He knows everything everything about you. He's compassionate and sympathetic because when I get to chapter 4, we will learn that he, we don't have a high priest that can't be touched with the feelings of our weaknesses, but we have one that's been touched in every way and suffered in every way and yet no sin. That's the one who stands before the Father on our behalf. He's the only one that can look at you and say, I understand you could go to a friend and thank God we may have those friends that we run to when we need to talk to them about our, our uh, issues and our pain and our, and our uh, troubles. Uh, that's fine and great for the friend, but the friend has limited ability to help you, although they're comforting. There's one, though, the one with a capital O, who sits at the right hand of the Father, and when we bring to Him our issues, and we bring to Him our suffering, and our trials and tribulations, He's the one that can say, I understand, because He went through it for us when He was here. And so we go boldly before the throne of grace. You can walk with confidence and know that you have access with the Father who loves you, because He sent His Son to prove it. He died on a cross on our behalf. Man, we got something. We need to wake up a little bit around here. What he has done for us is unmeasurable. And his grace for us is unmerited. We can never earn it. We can't buy it. But it's ours if we accept it by faith. So, 
Consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession. Oh, we have a confession? Yeah. The same confession that Peter showed us. It's known as Peter's great confession in Matthew 16, 16. When Jesus asked him, who do you say that I am, Peter? And Peter said, you are Jesus. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. That's our confession. Now, chapter, verse 2. That was verse 1. I can get through this pretty fast. Jesus was faithful to him who appointed him. He completed the, do, the, do, the job, the task. Just as Moses was faithful in all God's house. Moses was faithful. Although Moses failed, he was a man, he had a different role. Faithfulness is the thing which the Lord Jesus will commend us for when we see him face to face one day. He's not going to ask us about other things. He's going to ask us whether or not we were faithful. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew 25, 21. For you serious Bible students, you want to write that down. You can also come to me afterwards and I'll give it to you if you missed it. He said to, uh, in this parable, his master said to his servant, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. What God wants and what Jesus shows us is that he was faithful to his heavenly father who sent him and we now being his family and his children we also need to understand that being faithful is a requirement because that's what he will commend us for so regardless of who we are and whatever the work that God has given us to do our place is to be faithful with it if someone in a church assigns you as a person to empty the trash, you be the best trash picker-upper there can be. As small as the job may be, do it not to be seen of men, but because you know your Heavenly Father sees you, but more importantly, because you love Him and you belong to Him and He's yours. We kind of lost that lately. We have to have a reason for what we do, what we do. And the reason we do it is because we're doing it because we want to please God. Not to have salvation, because we love Him. It's a relationship we have with Him. Okay. Verse 3. So Jesus is counted more worthy and, uh, of more glory than Moses. I guess by now we understand that. As much more glory of the builder of the house has over uh, more honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. So Jesus is superior to Moses in that he is the creator and Moses is simply a creature. Jesus is greater than Moses because he built the house. Moses just lived in it. In other words, Moses was responsible and had responsibility over the economy of, of, of Israel when he was their leader, over their household. Now Moses was faithful in all of God's house as a servant to testify of the things that were to be spoken of later. Verse 5, what that's saying is that Moses was faithful to testify prophetically towards what Jesus would later fulfill. So he's only giving testimony of one to come. Jesus is the one that was coming. There's a big difference. 
One of them is the builder of the house. The other lives in the house. One of them is a son in the house. And the other is a servant in the house. That's why Jesus is superior. That's why Jesus and also Paul says that the end of the law is found in Christ. We fulfill the law by being in Christ. Who fulfilled it perfectly on our behalf. And if we have any good works, it's because of the fruit of the Spirit, which there is no law against love. And all the fruit that flows from love. Go ahead and do it. Notice that in the new covenant, it's go ahead and do it, where in the old covenant, is don't do this and don't do that. Restraining us, whereas in the New Testament, the Spirit frees us. We're at liberty Paul would say, hey, to the Jew I became as a Jew that I might win their soul. And to, the, to, the, to the weak I became as a weak. Not that I was weak, but I became weak. In other words, I, would, I condescended, I reduced myself in order to serve others. That's what Jesus did. So, I'm almost done. There's quite a difference between, between a son in the house and a servant in the house. And then the last part, but Jesus, verse 6, is faithful over God's house as a son. And we are his house. So when we accept Christ, we become part of the household of God. If, now notice this, we are his house, we are uh, of his household, of his family. If. Always pay attention in the Bible to the ifs. Okay? Because it's saying, if this is true, then this is true. Okay? It's like a cause and effect. If you've taken an English class lately, there's a lot of that in literature. So one thing leads to another thing. So if what? There is an if on our part. And this is very important before I close. Pay attention. If we hold fast our confidence. What does it mean to hold fast? If we're faithful. If we're constant with our relationship with the Lord. Then... Right, our confidence, our, our, then our boasting, or our rejoicing is, is in our hope. What's our hope? That we're going to be firm until the end. We're going to persevere. If, what? We hold fast. So the Christian is purposely holding on and considering Christ. That's the, the message for today. It's not an accident. You choose Do you want to have your eyes on Him? Do you want to have a hold of Him or not? It's your choice. But if you hold fast to your confidence, confidence in what? In what He has done for us. Then our boasting, or other words, our rejoicing is, is in our hope that we have because of Him. And some manuscripts add at the end of this verse then our our hope is firm until the end. That's the idea. Jesus is superior. Hey, and I finished four minutes early. So you guys can 
take a break now. You don't have to work so hard anymore at this point for this sermon. That's our prayer, that we would consider Christ. Know that he came from God to us and returned to God on our behalf as our great advocate. And he sits there right now representing us. Amen? Let's, pr let's pray. Take a moment to close the sermon with a word to the Lord. Now, precious Heavenly Father, we're thankful and we hope, Lord, that we would be able to grasp what we have read today and what we have spoken on today. What a, what a great honor, what a great privilege to know that you actually took the time to consider us in our plight, our situation, when you sent your son Jesus to this earth primarily to be the lamb that would be sacrificed for our sins and, and to be able to buy for us, uh, to pay for our redemption. And that's huge. Moses couldn't do that. Matter of fact, the law can't even save us. Only your mercy and only the blood that flowed from the innocent victim, which was always a picture of Jesus, was always showing us that there was going to be one that would die once and for all for all the sins of the world. And that's your son, Jesus. So, we're thankful this morning that you sent him. My prayer, Lord, this morning, and our great question this morning is that if there's someone here today who never has received Christ, so I pray, Lord, right there where they're sitting and you're able to speak to their hearts and in the privacy of their hearts, that if they never have received so this great salvation, that they would do so with you, before you, not me, before you, not before us, before you. They would say yes to the cross and what Jesus did for them. That they would confess their sins and know that you are faithful to forgive them of their sins. So thank you, Lord. We're so grateful. And then once we have said yes, once we have received so great a salvation from Jesus, once we have confessed our need for a Savior, then you, Lord, are our advocate, our high priest, our lawyer. We can go to you and ask for help in the time of need. So I pray, Lord God, that you would move in the hearts of whoever today needs to know you as Savior and to know you as their advocate. That they would do so right now where they're sitting and where you see them and you speak to their hearts. And then we pray, Lord, that we might be able to join alongside them and to help them in this journey of being a disciple. And that's what we're here for. They might share that with us. But we know the work is yours, Lord, and we thank you. So we ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. So um, we're going to have...
at this time our, our um, ushers come up and they're going to receive their offering. And I would, I would challenge you uh, today here, that, that those of you that are here, that if you need to speak to myself, the pastor, or somebody about this message or maybe a decision that you made in your heart, that you would, you would feel free to come up and let me know, hey, pastor, I want to know a little bit more. Or I want you to pray with me because uh, I felt the Lord talking to my heart and I made a decision or I want to make a decision. I don't know how this works. Just come and talk with us. Well, come talk with me. Okay, we're small enough where you can do that. So we're going to take our offering, but I make that invitation to you, okay? So let's pray for the offering. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you again for all that we have. We know, Lord, that there isn't anything that we have that didn't come from you. So we ask, Lord Jesus, that right now that uh, we would fill in our hearts uh, this joy to be able to return to you uh, a little bit of the much that you've given us, acknowledging and sharing with you, Lord, um, and sharing with this ministry, Lord, um, so that the ministry can continue uh, sharing joyfully from our hearts and participating and being part of what you're doing here. Bless it, the offering, bless the giver, in Jesus' name, amen.